Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blitz Package over on Arrowhead Attic and Blog Talk Radio. Today we got all three of us today, myself, Travis Steffen, we got Chris Taylor, and Brid Zank. And we're going to start off the podcast by talking about the fan favorite Marcus Peters, who was suspended for the Raiders game due to an altercation with an assistant coach and his actions on the field. What are you guys' thoughts? Because I know there's a lot of trade Peters now that the defense did well against the Raiders. What are your guys' thoughts? Um, what a short memory people have. <laughs> uh, you know, you guys leave me off with this question, and I'm, I'm doing my best to stay extremely positive here. We, ha- I was wrong. I will admit that uh, I thought the defense was going to struggle without Peters. I thought this, I thought Carr was going to tear up the secondary. Um, you know, I did mention that the only way that the Chiefs had a chance is that uh, multiple guys on the defensive side of the ball are going to have to make plays, and that is exactly what happened. Um, you know, they looked fired up. You know, we talked about it before we got on the air. They looked really fired up. They looked ready to play. Um, Eric Berry on the sideline, which I, I know made Travis extremely happy. <laughs> um, it, and, and, you know, and, and they shouldn't need Eric Berry to be fired up for the Oakland Raiders, but, uh, but, you know, maybe, maybe a little change did help. Um, I say that, uh, with very caution, like it doesn't seem I think we could get great value if we traded Marcus Peters right now or in the off season. Um, I, I can't disagree with that. I do not believe that that's the best decision. We have to have a backup plan and Steven Nelson and Terrence Mitchell, those are not the backup plans that we want. Um, you know, who knows if Revis is going to be around or not. And even if he is, I don't know that that's the, the way you want to go. Um, Marcus Peters has gone from the fan favorite to the sarcastic fan favorite. Uh, it, it doesn't, the game surprised me, you know, Chris Jones stepping up and Justin Houston had a good game and Jarvis Jenkins didn't even know he was still on the team. Wow. You know, uh, and, and Terrence Mitchell did good and Steven Nelson did good and Derek Johnson with his, what a hit he put on Lynch and um, maybe it was the right time. You know, I hate to say, uh, be cliche and say everything happens for a reason, but I can't forget about the week before. And I can't forget about the Dallas game or the Raiders game um, and so on and so forth. I think there's a, I think it's a knee jerk reaction. I think uh, for Marcus Peters, it's the worst case scenario that the Chiefs went out there and not only did they win, but they really pretty much dominated three and a half quarters of football without him. Um, So, you know, maybe this is the thing that will make Marcus Peters come back and have a slightly different attitude and, uh, try to uh, try to you know try to change people's minds. I think people's minds can be changed. I think if he comes out against the Chargers and has two interceptions and one of them's a touchdown, I think some of his haters are going to forget about him. You know, they're going to forget that they don't like him. Um, I, before the game, I was I, I felt like if you're not going to like somebody, you should not like Steven Nelson, not Marcus Peters, but yeah, I was wrong. Um, I was I was extremely impressed, and uh, um, I, I still believe that the Chiefs need Marcus Peters. I think they're a better team with Marcus Peters out there. Uh, I know that's not a very popular opinion, but uh, you know, hey, speaking of popular opinions, uh, Britt. <laughs> I, I we all knew this was coming. Whenever. You play good without him, everybody was going to jump on the bandwagon. But I believe I actually called this in our last podcast when I said it's, it always happens when everybody predicts 
everybody just assumes it's going to be all of one thing. It's never that. Like, all anybody could say was the Raiders were going to throw for 600 yards and it was going to be offensive back and forth. And I think I said in the last podcast, that's, that's usually the time when it's a 10-7 to 7 defensive battle for no reason whatsoever. And that's what we got. I mean, you got the Chiefs played with energy for the first time in two months. The corners were playing bump coverage the whole game for the first time in, seems like, all season. And why they don't do that with Marcus Peters, I don't know. Why Sutton doesn't say, hey, why don't you go stick the guy like you always used to do your first your first couple seasons. But And then Derek Carr just sucks at Arrowhead. He's 0-5 with a, like, 65-something... QBR quarterback rating like he just sucks at Arrowhead for some reason and he sucked again the Raiders didn't look like they wanted to play or cared and which was weird because it wasn't a 10 degree weather game it was 55 degrees so I don't know what their problem was but they came out not wanting to play the Chiefs played inspired and actually played like they cared uh Eric Berry was on the sideline about time i've been saying for two months where's eric berry why can't he be on the sideline being this great leader and coach on the sideline and huh he actually does it for one game and huh, they actually play better but so hopefully he's there for the rest of the season or at least the next two home games i think if you're on the ir you can't go on road trips but you can come home every time so but the whole trade Peters thing is stupid. Not, the people that want to trade Peters just flat out want to trade him are the people that want to trade him for his protest or the cranky old person who, back in my day, they had more respect than that for the young whippersnappers who are going to hate him no matter what he does. So, now, like I, I've always said, like you guys said, he's got good value. If the Chiefs were going to say right now that we are not signing him to a long-term contract when his is up, then I would say you should trade him this offseason. Because some team's going to get two years of a cheap top 10 at worst corner in the league. You're going to get great value for that. And we're in a rebuild mode, so it's a great tool to get you a first-round pick and probably a third or a fourth on top of it. But... That's only if the Chiefs are saying we're not going to re-sign him. We're not paying him 12 to $15 million a year in two years. If they're thinking about doing that, if they're even thinking they might do that, then there's no way you trade him. But, like I said, the people who hate him will hate him. They'll cheer their head off when he gets an interception and turn for a touchdown and then at work the next day talk about how unloyal he is and blah, blah, blah. But they're not they're not going to trade him unless they decide he's just not in their future plans, which at this point I don't see why they would say that. But they've done weirder things. But Travis, what's your take on it? So I'm going to build off a little bit what you said there. Um, you know, I, I, I was really upset that I couldn't make the last episode because I actually – I I didn't expect for the Raiders to throw it all over Kansas City. Um, you know, like you said – Derek Carr always sucks when he comes to Kansas City. He's never won in Kansas City. Um, you know, he, he just always has one of his worst games. And then I, I'm just not a believer in the Raiders. You know, they're, they're you know, we talk about them being uh, on like a win streak, winning three out of their last four. Well, they got dominated against the Patriots. And then the teams that they did beat was teams like the Dolphins and the Giants with Geno Smith and all those three wins were won by seven points. So I, I didn't believe in the Raiders. And then I knew Amari Cooper was still having troubles with his ankle, which obviously he went out for the game. And then it made it really easy for them to kind of bracket uh, Crabtree. But even if Cooper was healthy, I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was going to be a heyday for Carr. And, you know, something that really threw me off the last time that we played the Raiders is... Bob Sutton didn't change his defense like he usually does when he does play the Raiders. Because whenever we play the Raiders, you know, they talked about in the broadcast how 
Derek Carr has the quickest release time. And that's... Every time we play the Raiders, except for Week 7, of course, we usually play that press man coverage, have all our corners up at the line, and trying to give the defensive line a little more time, make it to where Carr can't throw it in those 2-point-whatever-three seconds that it is. And I don't understand why we don't do that more often. You know, you, you look at the cornerbacks that we have, in Marcus Peters, in Terrence Mitchell, and now Darrell Revis. Uh, you could say a little bit with Nelson, but he's kind of like the in-between. But those three cornerbacks are all physical cornerbacks. They're not your speed corners. They're, your, they're the guy that make a receiver's life miserable because they're constantly, you know, bumping with them, getting with the line, staying with them. And when you're putting corners 10, year, 10 yards off that – or that style of corner, of course they're not going to succeed. You know, I've been I've been saying all year, the reason that Terrence Mitchell has been having such, such a rough year is because he's being forced to play 10 yards off. You know, you, you look at when he's able to play at the line of scrimmage, like this week, he had a really good game. He had three pass deflections. He had an interception. Uh, he was targeted something like nine times, only gave up four catches for 36 yards, I think it was. So... Then you look, and then you look at the passer rating he allowed was sixteen point two. So, why are we not doing this every game? Is my question, and it's that's what's extremely frustrating to me. So I didn't think that the Raiders were going to have a big game. I figured that uh, this was the perfect game to, you know, suspend Marcus Peters for, you know, whatever you want to say it's about, whether it's everything leading up whether it's the confrontation with the assistant coach again. Either way, I, I did think it needed to happen. I think it was the perfect week, too, because, like we said, the Raiders don't play well in Arrowhead. Derek Carr just flat-out sucks in Arrowhead. And we have two other physical corners that can play at the line, and that's the one game that Sutton is allowing his corners to do so. So I'm 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 glad that they played the way they did and I'm glad that they got fired up again I I really do think that it was about Eric Berry you know I was telling you guys before the podcast how um you know 610 Sports was talking about how the the defense was fired up and playing a lot better because they didn't have Peter's negative attitude they came out there fired up and I really do think that that's about Eric Berry and Parker said in a post-game interview that when Eric Berry's around you want to play at your best because you don't want to feel like you're disappointing him. That's the leadership he has. They don't want to disappoint Eric Berry. And when he's around, he's over there getting them fired up. We saw it numerous times, him over there talking to the secondary and the rest of the defense. So I agree with you, Britt, that he does need to be there for those home games and help them get hyped up because we got a lot bigger of a game coming this week. The Chargers are on fire right now. And... If, if we're going to sit here and play 10 yards off this coming weekend, we're in for a long game. You know, you got, especially Keenan Allen, who's a big physical corner, you need to be up on him. I, I, want, to, I want to see some scrapping going on. You know, last time they played, Keenan Allen was getting really ticked off at Terrence Mitchell for being all over him. I want to see that again. I want them in his head. Because he, he especially is on fire. So, like I said, I think I think that all these fans that are saying we should trade Peters, blah, 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 they're in for a, a wake-up call this coming weekend because the Chargers are going to have a decent game. It, you know, that that's my prediction. You know, they're, they're, they're on fire right now. We're probably going to go back to playing 10 yards off, so... I'm nervous for this game, and this is probably the biggest must-win game if they if they want a playoff game, especially if they want it at home. So, do you guys have any more on you know that take? Ugh, you said the dreaded must-win when it's not a must-win. Oh, it is a must-win. There's no said no, it's not because they're still playing after that. Mm. The only must-win games are playoff games. Okay, let me rephrase this. <laughs> if the Chargers win this weekend, the Chiefs don't control their own destiny. 
That is true. That That's where I see it as a must win because once you, if they lose this weekend, they have to count on other teams to be able to make the playoffs or to win the division. If they win this weekend, they got a very good chance at winning the division. That's definitely a better way to put it. Um, All right. From now on, I'll put it that way. Sorry. (laughs) Picky bread over here. Uh, I don't really have anything to add. I do have a question, though. Early in the season, um, with the anthem protests and everything, it was it was um, is very popular to hear um, from the Chiefs organization that that uh, that the guys in the locker room absolutely loved Marcus Peters. Has he lost? Has he lost his teammates? I mean, is, is that is that a guess? Is that a a known fact? That six ten can say that the the guys on defense are playing better because of the negative attitude because Marcus Peters isn't out there anymore and they're away from him um, because early in the season it, all the talk was how much respect and how much the team liked Marcus Peters. Now the narrative is nobody likes Marcus Peters and they're only going to play better if he's not there. I don't think that that's necessarily an accurate statement. I don't think that. I mean, and, it, and it, of course, it always depends on, like, what context they're using it in. But, I mean, the whole not pl- playing better because Peters wasn't there, because they didn't have his negativity or whatever, I think that's purely on the field. Like, he's been getting a lot of grief this year about taking plays off, throwing his hands up, looking frustrated, obviously throwing flags, getting personal foul penalties and stuff. In the locker room, I think everybody loves him. And I think part of the reason they were sticking up for him at the beginning of the year with the protests is they were saying, we love his protests. Like, we're behind him 100% if he wants to do his thing. I think everybody on the team likes him. Uh, From what I understand, from what all the reports are, He's been nothing but apologetic to the league, to the team, to everybody about what he did and everything. So I I, I think the, on the whole 610 thing was just on the field in terms of he wasn't there to mope around or whatever. Everybody's been complaining about all season. But in the locker room, I, I think everybody is a big fan of Peters in the locker room. And I, I, I know I differ from, from most, but I would rather see some type of emotion – from Peters rather than no emotion from anybody on the defense that we've seen previous to the Oakland game. I mean, and that was always my take. He's the guy that acts like this is bothering him. Uh, You know, hey, there's nobody, you know, there's not, nobody's even making that, oh, shucks, you know. They're just, oh, I held him again. Oh, I gave him another chance. Oh, I gave him another chance. Oh, I held him, and he still caught the ball. Oh, the ball hit me in the face mask, and now you look at him. He's running for a touchdown, and they just walk off. You know, there's no there's no remorse. There's no disgust. There's no, gosh, I got to do better next play. It's just walk off the field and wait for your next try. And so I always I look for that out there. Who's the guy? Who's the guy showing emotion? Who's the guy acting like he cares? And I always felt like that it was Marcus Peters. And and I, until somebody proves me wrong, that's I'm always going to kind of have a soft spot for Marcus Peters because I feel like before the Raiders game, he was the guy. You know, I, I somebody should act pissed. <laughs> somebody should be pissed. Yeah. And and I don't think Marcus Peters should get attacked for acting pissed that the team's playing the way they're playing, or he's playing the way he's playing. He hasn't played his best ball. There's no doubt about that this year. There's no doubt. But he's still playing. He's still playing better at that position than anybody else on the team. But that's that's just that's just my take. I think I think the Peters things kind of being overblown i think if anything is negative as far as marcus peters and some of it is his fault is that on every podcast and every radio show it takes an hour of the time and i think 
I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of getting to the point to where, even though I have his back, I'm getting tired of talking about him. <laughs> no, I, I, I completely agree. And talking about how, you know, he made his apologies to the team, the league, the fans, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, he mentioned in that same interview uh, when he was apologizing that it, it's been really hard for him to not have, ha or sorry, not Peters, but not having Barry over on the sideline or on the field and having that person to go to to calm him down whenever things aren't, you know, going the way they should and when he's frustrated. So all the more reason Barry should be on the sideline. Hopefully he will this week as it's another, you know, big game. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the defense played with a lot more fire than, you know, until we went into that prevent defense in the fourth quarter, you know, we, we basically switched back to what we've played all season. And, you know, that's what you're going to get and with or without Peters. You know, if, if you're playing your guys that far off, it, it's going to be a mess. And teams are going to score. So, but yeah, I, I think that Mitchell played really well. You know, if you guys didn't notice, Mitchell was over on Peters' side. Re, Revis stayed over on the right uh, Revis had a pretty good game, only allowed one reception. Um, I think a lot of that was Revis was getting a lot of t a lot of players that only Raiders fans know of. You know, no no one real no real big name. And whenever Crabtree did line up over him, you know, you had another safety over the top. So um, I'm interested to see what Revis can do against this Chargers team. Um, real bummer about. Um, Terrell, who went on IR today, uh, that was a bummer. He had a really good game. He had three pass deflections. He had the interception at the very end of the game. Uh, he actually had the highest grade, according to Pro Football Focus, of all the Chiefs players. So, um, that, you know, it's a bummer to see him go into IR after a really good game like that. You know, we talked about Chris Jones, um, Justin Houston leading the team in tackles. That's always nice to see. But I, I got a question on Twitter, and this is someone that listened to my old podcast and now is listening to ours here. And he goes by McScotty Mac at 1975 Chiefs fan, and he had a few questions for us, and this will kind of help segue into the next conversation. But the first one was, what changed on the defensive line? And I think a lot of that was, you know, they actually had some fire in them. They had, they had the motivation we also saw some more maneuvers we didn't we didn't just see you know like Sutton talked after the last Raiders game how the best way to get to Derek Carr when he gets the ball out so quick is to just go straight at him so no no stunts nothing like that this game in the first drive of the Raiders we saw Chris Jones line up outside of Justin Houston and what do you know there's a sack you had Chris Jones pushing the left tackle, or the right tackle, I mean, into Derek Carr. And then you had Alan Bailey pushing the center into Derek Carr. So, do you guys think that the defensive line it was the same thing? They just had more fire, especially with Eric Berry on the field? Or do you think it was something different? I just think they played harder. I mean, yeah, they did a few different things. Like you said, they had Jones line up outside of Houston and everything. But, I mean, it's not like they brought crazy blitzes or you know they had 10 guys on the line and then dropped back so the offensive line was confused who they were blocking I mean half their sacks and big plays were just straight up manhandled their offensive linemen back I mean Bailey had the sack like that Jones had two plus the batted ball that he knocked up was just like that the sack Houston got was because Ollie bull rushed his guy into him and he had to duck out of the way and I think you're thinking of Jarvis uh, Jenkins getting that sack. Bat Bailey didn't have one. Okay, yeah, yeah, it was Jen it was Jenkins that got it, where he just flat out knocked the tackle into him. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it was just that. I mean, there was no technique. There was no spin move. No cool stun. It was just they flat out manhandled him. And I think it was a combination of. Everybody's saying the defense was going to suck, and 
you see Chris Jones, he's on Twitter all the time. All these guys are on Twitter. They're on Facebook. They listen to the radio shows. They know what everybody's saying. So I think, A, it's the Raiders. And their backs were finally against the wall. They were 6-6, six and six, tied with the division. For the first time, all your other back was finally like, oh, okay, we probably should do something here. And they played hard. They just flat out played hard for the first time in over a month. Where I can honestly say on every play, they tried their hardest. And it works out pretty well when they do that. Now, why they don't do that every game, I have no idea. I would probably go to coaching as to why you can't get your players up for a game. But I, I you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I didn't see anything weird. I just, there weren't stunts. There weren't any new big defensive schemes. I mean, the corners played press coverage a little bit more, but that's got nothing to do with the D-line. So I think it was just a combination of we played harder, and frankly, the Raiders just didn't show up. I mean, the first half of that game, I don't even think they were off the bus yet. They looked so bad. I'd say first three quarters. They just looked so bad that, I I mean, I don't know. They look like the Chiefs did the last few weeks. We are like, dude, like, you do know the game was at noon, right? Like, (laughs) you do know you're playing football. Like... That's your job. But, I mean, outside of just that combination of we actually played our hardest for the first time in months and the Raiders apparently could care less, I think just worked out into a great combination for us. Yeah, they they wanted it more. I mean, I, I, I'll take a little bit of, of what both of you guys said. I, I think there were some different different looks that the defensive line gave. Um, and uh, But I, I think... I think they wanted it more. Um, this is the defensive line that that I thought we were going to see all year, and I would argue that this may be, as a unit, the best best all around game that the defensive line had um, in all aspects. <clears throat> they, uh, you know, I know Chris Jones has had had that three sack game early in the season, but and as an interception that game, <laughs> yeah. But as, as a unit, I, I feel like. I, I was very impressed, and this is what I had thought and predicted at the beginning of the season, that this is what we were going to see. Um, um, you know, with the depth that they had at the beginning of the season and, and with uh, Chris Jones' rookie year, and I just <clears> – <throat> Alan Bailey coming back. I mean, I, I felt like it was idiotic to think anything different other than this defensive line is going to be – a force to reckon with, and I was wrong. Um, that's twice I've said that today. Uh, but I, I think they wanted it more. I think there was, there, was, uh, there were a few different looks, and you know what? If Eric Berry being on the sideline is the best thing that we can come up with, I'm all about it. And, and yeah, if uh, Eric Berry isn't allowed to travel, um, then uh, let me know. I think I think three of us could probably pitch in for a Kansas City Chiefs win on the road. You know, <laughs> get, him, get him a good seat. But it, it was impressive. It was I was impressed with the defensive line. They 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 came to play and and you know I have to you know the the only negative thing is I, Oakland didn't Oakland didn't look like they wanted to play on Sunday whatsoever. Nobody, nobody on on the Raiders looked like they wanted to they, shoot. Del Del Rio didn't even look like he wanted to coach that game. Yeah, that that game that you were talking about with Chris Jones. The last time Chris Jones had a sack was Week Two, and he had, I think it was three sacks. He had two forced fumbles and an interception that game. But that was the last time we really saw anything of Chris Jones. We saw him a little bit. Uh, if you go back and watch the film against Dallas, he had a. He quietly had a pretty good game there. He had pressure, but Dak Prescott just did a really good job of maneuvering in the pocket or getting out of the pocket when needing to. But that also leads into, you know, honestly, I think the Raiders' offensive line is overrated at this point. I think that it's not as good as it was last year. But leading into the next question, um, it was, why was the offensive line so much better against the Raiders than in previous weeks? And I agree to an extent that it was, you know, they, they still give up some sacks, but I think that, you know, this was another case where Alex Smith ran into the sacks, um, you know, running up into the pocket and 
uh, I had a buddy on the phone when I was watching the game, and he asked me, he was like, how come every time, you know, Smith is in the shotgun, he's, it seems like he's taking like 18 steps back. That's, that's <laughs> the biggest problem. You know, we, I've talked about this on previous podcasts, how Alex Smith is right in the tackle lane. You know, the tackle is supposed to push that pass rusher around backside of Smith. And when he is backing up so far, it's making the tackles have to overcompensate and it's making it look like the tackles not doing his job when in fact it's on Smith. So do you, do you guys think that the offensive line played a lot better this week? As far as, as far as, as far as running the ball, absolutely. Um, that was, I, I would, I would say, I would say probably half the sacks that Alex Smith has had this year are his own fault. Um, you know, the offensive line blocks where they're supposed to block. If, if they do their job, they block where they're supposed to block. And if Alex Smith is somewhere he's not supposed to be, which he does have happy feet and he takes off often. If Alex Smith is somewhere where he's not supposed to be, um, more than likely he's going to get sacked. Um, and that's what that's what we're seeing. Um, I think uh, I think as far as as far as running the ball, there were a few times that they got pushed back, but the offensive line pushed. They were moving forward. There were holes. There were gaps. There was there were there was finally a place for Kareem Hunt to run through, and what you saw was was what you what you had. You know he hadn't done this since. Ugh, you know, I I don't get too excited about the yards of scrimmage. Uh, you know, 60 yards rushing, 40 yards passing. I, You know, okay, that's 100 yards from scrimmage, but I wouldn't say that that's a great game. Um, but he, he had places to run, and there's been plenty of games where he's had nowhere to go. He has nowhere to plant his feet. He's, he's barely had time to hold on to the football before he's getting hit, before he's getting tackled, before he's running into his own offensive lineman because they're four yards back. It, um, you know, they play great. And, and you can say the same thing about the offensive line as, as you can the defensive line. They wanted it more. And the defensive line for the Raiders didn't act like they were really in. Didn't seem like they were really pumped up for this game for whatever reason. I don't understand. Um, but, uh, it was nice to see. It was nice to see some holes for for Cream Hunt to run through. Um, it doesn't matter who's running the ball. If there's nowhere to run the ball, you're not going to run the ball. It doesn't matter whether your name's Emmett Smith, uh, you know, Walter Payton. You have to have places to go. And and the offensive line for the, for the Chiefs have not given Cream Hunt anywhere to go. Um, too many times he's forced to to redirect his his path to the outside and i and i don't believe that that's you know that's not the running back that he is that's not his style and uh and it doesn't work um brick called it brick called it um last last week friday i believe he had to have 20 carries and through the, the progression of the game you could tell that there were going to be 20 carries and we controlled some clock and that was a problem in, in recent weeks. And uh, so, you know, really kudos to, to both sides of the line for, for Kansas City. I, I, felt like, uh, I felt like they wanted it. And if it's Eric Berry, then fantastic. Uh, I, I thought the offensive lines played, I mean, about as good as really they've played all year. I mean, uh, the pass defense was fine. Um, they got burned once or twice. Every offensive line does. I'm not, you know, nobody's ever going to say that the 03 Chiefs, so they're going to get beat sometimes. Smith runs into most of the problems. I mean, even Trent Green called him out on it that he ducks his head and runs too early and steps out of clean pockets when he shouldn't. And like your buddy on the phone said, he likes to take eight step drops out of the shotgun and he just runs into sacks. He runs away from blocks. And then the linemen get him. It's pretty easy to get a sack when you do that. And the running game, I mean, I put it in our 
Arrowhead had a chat thing. After the first five carries, Hunt was averaging five yards a carry. And I think it was near the end of the first quarter or going into the second quarter, and I said, okay, now let's see how many more carries he has for the rest of the game, averaging five yards a carry. Because he's averaged four or five yards a carry in other games, and they just stopped running it for some reason. Sunday, they didn't stop running it. He didn't get 10, 15 yards every two carries or anything, but he was consistently getting three and four yards. He was getting hit at the line of scrimmage, but like he's done all year, he led the league in broken tackles this week. Like he has almost every other week, even when he's not getting many carries. And the line did their job. He got 110, give or take, yards rushing. 116. 116, and, uh, you know, the offensive line just did their job. I mean, they didn't. what they didn't do as much this week was get the dumb penalties outside of Swartzy's eight-yard jog down the field, <laughs> which was, if that doesn't make not top ten this week, I don't know what will, because he was in block form. Like, he was in block stance the whole way down to the goal line just looking for somebody. <laughs> The, the but, what are you doing? Yeah, but I mean, outside of that, Fisher, I don't remember seeing him just get absolutely torched or run over. I just thought they played a solid game. And against the Raiders, who, yeah, they have great pass rushers. Obviously, we saw that on display. They don't have a lot else. So just, just go out, do your job. Andy, Nagy, call in place, just... Stay with the running game, and you'll be fine. And they did. And it turned into there for a while like the reverse of the Jets game, where we had 15 minutes of time of possession, and they had four. Now, at the Jets game, that's because we were scoring, and in the Raider game, they kept going three and out because Derek Carr decided to turn into Brody Croyle for a game. But I'll take it. Yeah, I, I think that... On the passing side, I think that they they stepped up a little bit, but like like you said, I didn't have a huge issue with the offensive line in the past game. But they really did elevate their game uh, when it came to running the ball. Um, you know, like you said, Cream Hunt he's averaging four point eight yards per carry on on the season. I don't understand why they keep going away from a running back that's almost averaging five yards per carry. It absolutely blows my mind. But that's one of those Andy Reid um, kind of niches. Like, he's he's always a pass-first coach. That's why, he, um, you know, you, you hear conversations about Peterson up in Philadelphia. He's a pass-first coach. Um, but there there is some really good things to talk about with Kareem Hunt. You know, first touchdown since week three. First 100-yard rushing game. Not just all scrimmage yards, but rushing game since week five. So that's obviously a very good game, and I, I was hoping that this would be that game. And considering that they always run a lot against the Raiders, I predicted for this to be that game. But Cream Hunt, over 1,000 yards in his rookie season, broke it this week. He is the only the second rookie running back to rush for 1,000 yards in their rookie season uh, since the late Joe Delaney. He is the first rookie running back to rush for a thousand yards under Andy Reid. So, I mean, all of those, you know, even on their own, is pretty phenomenal. I think that he's definitely got a big future, but they got to give him the ball. And you know, I, I I did a little article for this morning, and it was you know talking about his success this year, and how four out of the seven games down that, you know, landslide of losses. Four out of seven games, you gave Kareem Hunt the ball 11 or less times. Why is that? I, I feel like it's a very simple solution. Give him the ball. Where, where do you guys sit? We've been saying that. I think everybody in the NFL's been saying that. It's, I mean, I know, I know it's simple, Matt, because usually when you give a running back the ball 25 times, it's because you're winning all games, so you're just eating clock, giving him the ball. 
But when you're averaging four yards a carry or more, run it. Especially when your defense sucks, which ours has until the Oakland game. Our defense has been bad, which means you don't want them on the field. So I'm not saying go back to Marty Ball, but you got to run it more than nine times. I mean, he should get minimum 15 carries every game. If he walks out with 16 carries and we win 23 to 20, fine. But he should be getting at least 15 carries a game. And he is a really good back. I know some people were starting to get off of him after the low, you know, the low stretch. Like, man, we thought he was really good, but man, maybe he's just not that good. No. When you lead the league in broken tackles in a week where you only touch the ball seven times, you're really good. It's not your fault. They don't let you touch it. He's really good, and they just need to give him the ball more. Get it to him in the passing game. You know, if you don't want to give it, I'm, I, I want 20 touches. If Kareem Hunt gets 20 touches in a game, we will win that game. Because if you get him out in the flats, not just on a straight dump off to him where five guys know what you're doing, but nobody's open, dump it off. He's one-on-one with a linebacker. He's going to win that every single time. Every single time. And there's five, six yards easy. Hand off to him. He's averaging four or five yards carry. There's four or five yards most of the time. And just stick with it. And then you're going to eat the clock. And you're not going to have a Jets situation where it's 45 to 15 time of possession. And your defense is on the field way too much getting torched. I know Andy loves to throw it. I know he hates running the football. It's his kryptonite. But we're going to find out over the next three weeks who's really calling plays. Because if they keep giving it to Cream Hunt, say he comes out and averages three yards a carry for the first two drives against the Chargers. If he still gets it 15 to 20 times, then I'll buy in that Nagy's 100% calling the plays. If he averages three yards a carry and he touches it seven times the rest of the game, then I don't want to hear that Nagy's calling plays ever again. Because <laughs> and that's Andy Reid to a T. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... You got to give him the ball. I think one of my last articles for Arrowhead Addict early in the season was give Kareem the expletive delete of ball. You have to. It doesn't make any sense. I, Kareem Hunt has had, you said it, under 11 carries for I don't know how many games, five games, five games during this stretch. That's insane. That's insane. This guy... I'm still convinced this guy is one of the best running backs in football. Um, and, he, and he's a rookie. Um, you know, early in the season, they were talking about his, his numbers, keep, keeping, his, keeping his attempts down, keeping how many times he touches the ball. Um, and, and I thought that was ridiculous. You got, you got to run him. If you, have, if you have somebody like that, you have to run him. Um, let's not forget about Sharkander Quest, guys. Uh, that was that was really nice to see. It was nice to see the uh, the sideline after he scored that touchdown, and what a touchdown that was! That was a, that was a hard-fought run. Um, I I was very impressed and very happy to see to see West do that coming back after missing a game and missing some practice. Um, if you're if you've been a Chiefs fan for 10 to 15, 20 years, you want to see them run the ball. We've generally had running backs that were pro bowlers and, and all pros and and uh, near the top of the league and in all the statistics. And that's, I'm, I'm old school. I'm only 36 years old, but I'm old school. I want to run the ball. I love the 55-yard passes. I love to, I love to watch Travis Kelsey catch it for 10 yards and run it for another 40. But it, you can no matter how bad the defense does, no matter how bad the offensive line is, no matter how bad special teams is, 
no matter how mad how bad the coaching is, if you only run the ball nine times, what against the Jets they ran it eleven times. Akeem Hunt had one rush. Alex Smith had think had that one rush for seventy yards or whatever it was. And Kareem Hunt had nine. Well you're not gonna win you're not gonna win a ball game that way. You're just not gonna win the ball game that way. And so you know, if they if they come with the same energy and they run the ball and they don't give up on him, uh, because that's that's what we all were waiting on. Uh, you said it, Britt, that you know after a few carries, you had already said, "All right, how many more carries is it going to have?" We're all wondering when are they going to stop running the ball, and they never did, and they controlled the game, they won the game. Uh, there's formula here, and I don't know, I don't know why you would differentiate from from that yeah I, I completely agree with everything both of you guys said i think that um you know that it, it he could have been at a thousand a lot sooner you you look at those first five games and in just the first five games alone and this isn't all purpose this is just running the ball he had 609 yards i mean that's that's insane and to think that it took till now to break that thousand mark shows how little he's gotten the ball. But talking about, you know, big games, big uh, seasons, we got to talk about it, guys. I, I know that it's a, it's a very tough conversation. Um, Alex Smith is having his best season of his career. He's, um, you know, he broke his best, uh, single season passing yards at 3,507. So he's five ahead of what he, uh, did last year and was his highest in the season. He's tied his touchdowns in a season, tied his average per attempt, um, you know, best ratio touchdown to interception, 23 to five, you know, and there's still three games left. Um, and I know that, you know, I'm going to get a lot of heat for bringing this up and for writing the article that I just had to write for Arrowhead Addict talking about it because the Mahomes fans are not going to want to hear this. And I think that, you know, I, I've pushed for Mahomes to come in. But we got to recognize that Smith is having a pretty good year. Yes, most of it came in the beginning part uh, kind of, carried him over but at the same time we're not seeing all those games where smith only has like 170 yards you know i think the only time really that i can remember that he had less than 200 yards was against the chargers week three which god please do not let that happen again but you know we, we've seen him have more than one 300 yard game this season i think it's been four or five something like that and before this season, he had never had more than one 300-plus passing yard game in a single season. So I, I definitely think that he's improved. I think that that stretch definitely kind of did it for us. You know, we, we got tired of it. We saw him going back to his old ways. Um, you know, and everyone's excited to see Patrick Mahomes, as I am as well. And I don't think that Smith is going to lead you to a Super Bowl and I don't think it's all about how Smith plays. You know, we don't know how Smith's going to come out each week. He's inconsistent. But so is the rest of the team. But overall, like I said, Smith is having his best season. And if he would have thrown a single touchdown, or if, you know, Schwartz didn't block eight yards up field like you mentioned, Britt, you know, Kelsey would have got that touchdown, and he would have broke that, that record for himself as well. So... Overall, what do you guys think about, you know, Smith having his best season so far and what he's on track for? Did, did Britt hang up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll, I'll let you have this one, Britt. Well, for one, this was something that most everybody predicted, that he would have his best season this year. I mean, it's year five. He's got the young gun breathing down his neck. And frankly, he was supposed to have his best year this year. Um, 
on the plus side, that's awesome that he's having his best year this year. On the downside, why couldn't you do this last year? Why couldn't you do it the year before? I hate it when people play their best ball when there's somebody behind them. So that means you weren't playing at your best before that. You were just, eh, no big deal. And I hate that. I can't stand it. But it's awesome he's having his best year. Uh, he's going to break, obviously, all of his records. But at the same time, it's not like he's shattering them. He's not throwing for 4,800 yards, 35 touchdowns, you know. He's going to beat them by, you know, what, four or 500 yards passing and maybe three or four touchdowns for a year where we really needed to, to for me to like Smith as much to where I'm like, heck yeah, Mahomes still shouldn't be playing. I needed more. If it was me, I would still start Patrick Mahomes on Saturday because this game and this season has done absolutely nothing to take away from my feeling that Alex Smith can't get you to a Super Bowl. And that's my goal was to get to a Super Bowl. So I would still throw the young kid out there and let's start seeing what you got now because you're only cheap for four or five years. And I'd like to maximize that cheapness as much as possible. But it's un you can't deny it. He's having his best year numbers wise as a starter and it was predicted and it's pretty cool that he's actually playing up to what was predicted before the season. Cause a lot of times that doesn't actually happen, but kudos to him. I like when Brett goes first, because if I was going to go first, I would have said, meh. <clears throat> now that Brett's I expected talked, a little more, fighting Brit on that one, especially on the Alex Smith topic. Yeah, I, I did too, a little bit. Um, you, you can't argue with numbers. They are what they are. <laughs> my my first article professionally was pushing Alex Smith to greatness. Yes, I know that was overkill, but I felt like that, <clears throat> and I, I do agree with you, Brit, that it shouldn't take somebody breathing down your neck to see the best of you. But that is human nature in every workplace, in every sporting event. And, you know, it, it's just human nature. If you don't have anything to worry about, the majority, majority of folks out there will become lackadaisical. Will, everything will become repetitious. And then when that new, new hire comes in or that new quarterback comes in, you start to pick up your game, um, and that was the that was the basis of of that first article I wrote. Um, and for the most part, I think that I think that that article stands true. Um, no greatness was by far the the wrong word to use. Um, I should have said betterness, I guess. Um, I, th I think Alex Smith will, will, will beat it. You know, his passing number, his yardage numbers by, I would say, 650, 700 yards. That's, that's, there's still three games left. I, I, I can see him throwing for 250 yards each game. Um, touchdowns, he may beat that by five or six. Um, but, you know, you always see quarterbacks, um, buying their offensive linemen and these four wheelers or, or steak dinners or, and I know there's a big difference there, but he needs to, he needs to give Tyree kill whatever he wants. Um, in my opinion, Tyree kill is the difference maker here. If you take Tyree kill off this team, Tyree kill, um, you take his numbers away. Alex Smith probably isn't going to reach any of these numbers um and i think that's probably an obvious statement um it i wish we would have seen this in year one two three four um there may be a different uh, perception on smith but uh you know good for him 
you know, on his way out. I think, I don't think, I haven't heard, and, and we hear a lot of things, I haven't heard anybody say that they wanted Alex Smith to fail this year. Um, even the Mahomes pushers, which I am one as well, um, you know, I want Alex Smith to, to go somewhere else and to, to go somewhere competitive, uh, preferably in the NFC. Um, but, uh, and I hope he has a good, good career, you know, the good, good final stretch of his career. I think this is good for him. Um, no, I don't think this is going to get us a second round pick. Like some people say, or I even have people out there saying he's worth the number one, which he is not, but, um, you know, we may be able to get something out of him. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, he, without without Tyreek Hill and without Patrick Mahomes, I, we don't see this Alex Smith this season. So um, I, I still kind of have this meh attitude about it. Uh, he still drives me absolutely crazy. Um, he's, he, you know, we, we talked earlier about him him having that happy feet and running into into sacks, but he's so inconsistent. Now, there were times, there were times in that Oakland game to where you could barely see him. There were so many, so many guys in black and silver and red and white all all around him. You could barely see the quarterback, and he never moved. And ended up throwing pretty good passes. And then there's times when nobody's around, and off he goes to nowhere. Um, but uh, I, I'm. You know, I'm kind of on, on uh, I hate to say this, I'm kind of on Britt's side on this. I mean, it it, it is what it is. Um, his numbers should have been better. Um, these are the numbers that, that we should have seen from him. Um, I really don't know what else to say on Alex Smith right now. Let's well, see what you can do the final three weeks, you know? So we're going to play two quick games to kind of end this podcast. Um, you know, one is there's only been nine seasons where a Chiefs quarterback has thrown for over 3,500 yards. And in those nine seasons, that's distributed between four quarterbacks. Can you name those four quarterbacks? I'll say Trent Green. Mm-hmm. He had five of them. say Joe Montana. Nope. Dang. Um, Bono? Mm-mm. Surely, da- did Dawson ever throw for that many yards back in the 60s? Mm-mm. Say, uh, uh, this is going to surprise you. Castle? Nope. Ah, oh, man, I was thinking 2010, whatever the playoff year was, he had a pretty good year. Good back. <laughs> Gerback is one of them. I figure. So let's see. So we got Gerback, Green, Smith, Smith. Now, obviously. So we'll, are we missing one more? Yes. Uh, just because he's my favorite player of all time, I gotta say Deberg. <laughs> Even though I'm pretty it sure is, that's it is not Bill right. Kenny. Bill Kenny. Wow. God, we Bill had Kenny a bunch of bad and... quarterbacks. Yeah, Kenny and Gerback each had one. Smith had two, and Green had five. God, that's really sad when Trent Green's like the best quarterback you've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> that's really sad. So going into the next game that's going to end, end our podcast here for you guys, we're going to play a little over-under. Um, you know, i got five players that, you know... I have their stats that they have as of right now with three games left and what they are on pace for. And we're going to play with Smith, Hunt, Hill, Kelsey, and Houston. So right now, Alex Smith has 3,507 yards, 23 touchdowns, five interceptions. He is on pace for 4,316 yards, 28 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Over or under? 
Uh, I'll say under, under, under on the yards, under on the touchdowns. I agree. I think he'll be just shy, but either way, I think he will beat 4,000 yards. Um, the, the touchdown, I'd say close. I'd say like 41, 4,200 yards. Touchdowns will be really like 27 to 29, I think. I think a 28 is actually maybe a good number to push on, but I'll go under. Chris? Over. Over on both. Why not? Homer. Why not? <laughs> Alex Smith lover. <laughs> Watch your mouth. <laughs> All right, so Cream Hunt. He currently has 1,046 yards, average of 4.8, and five touchdowns. He is on pace for 1,287 yards and six touchdowns. Over or under? I'll take over on both. Yeah, I'll take over on both. I got over as well. I think that's easy. So Tyreek Hill has 986 yards and six touchdowns. He's on pace for 1,214 and seven touchdowns. Over or under? I'll go under on the yards, over on the touchdowns. I'll go over on both since I'm a homer. <laughs> well, I'm with the homer there. I'm going over on both. All right, so Travis Kelsey, he is currently at 945 yards and seven touchdowns. He is on pace for 1,163 yards and nine touchdowns. Hmm. What's the on pace for again? He is on pace for 1,163 and nine touchdowns. I'll go over on the yards, under on the touchdowns. I'll go over on both, because I'm a homer. <laughs> well, once again, I'm with the with the homer. All right. So, last up, this will get, get your blood going, Britt. Houston has 9.5 sacks on the season. He is on pace for 12, over or under. Ooh, see, they got what Rivers, Cutler, and the Broncos to end the game season. Mm-hmm. What's he at nine or nine and a half? Nine and a half. So that's only he only needs what three more. I'll go the over on that. Ooh. Oh man! <clears throat> Come on, Homer. So he's gonna get what twenty-five, twenty-six. <laughs> <laughs> well you know he gets six every game on that and uh i don't man i don't know i i'm let's say under hmm the hulk smith lover going down on houston no, I'm, I'm going over i think that especially with denver to end the season i think that he'll you know, at least get two sacks there. So I think you can get a half sack against the Chargers or Miami. So, but that's all we got for you guys today. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. Uh, we'll be coming out with another episode later this week to talk about the Chargers game coming up. So let us know if you have any questions, any takeaways, or anything you want to be a discussion on the show. And we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Blitz Package over on Arrowhead Addict and Blog Talk Radio. If you want to hear more, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see the content that your hosts put out there, you can find myself at Stefan NFL, or you can find my content on Arrowhead Addict. Just search for Travis Stefan. If you want to hear more from Britt Zank, then you can find him at bzank17 on Twitter, and he also is an Arrowhead Addict contributor. If you want to find more on Chris Taylor, make sure you find him on Twitter at ctaylor1911, or you can find his stuff over at kckingdom.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you guys next time.